Due to themes of child sexual abuse and exploitation, the content of this podcast may be distressing to some people. It is not suitable for children and listener discretion is advised. For advice and support, please visit accce.gov.au. I don't think anybody who works in online child sexual abuse material in any of its forms ever forgets the first time they came face-to-face with very high-end abuse material. There are sex offenders in every walk of life and they are numerous in number and because this is such a difficult topic and such a touchy topic, it's easy to look the other way. Complacency is a great risk here. That's where our children will fall through the cracks if we're not keeping a close eye on what they're doing, but in a constructive way, not in a surveillance-type way. So there's a fine balance there for parents to get that right, but we have to be tuned into it. The responsibility for protecting kids, we would say, is a community-wide responsibility. It starts with parents and carers and teachers, but everyone has a role to play in keeping children safe from harm online. The impact that it has on an individual's life, potentially for the rest of their life, is really at the heart of the government's focus on child exploitation. The internet has arguably become one of the greatest advancements of the modern era. People across the globe use it for work, for research, for keeping in touch with family and friends, and for sharing images and videos. Yet within the millions of images and videos being circulated and housed on computers across the globe, there are vulnerable children and teenagers being subjected to acts of sexual abuse and exploitation. It's a global race to identify these children, to arrest and charge the offenders, and to prevent similar harm from happening to other children. I'm Roger Corsa, and this is Closing the Net, a podcast series that explores the world of those policing the borderless crime of online child sexual exploitation, their commitment to preventing abuse through education and their dedication to seeking justice for the victims. Throughout the series, you'll get an understanding of what constitutes online exploitation and how easily children can be targeted. You'll get information on how to better protect your kids online as well as how to identify and report offensive online behaviour. Along the way, you'll go inside the world of those on the front line, women and men who dedicate their lives to ending this horrendous crime type, who work tirelessly to find and bring online child sex offenders to justice. Stopping the sexual abuse of children at, at as young an age as possible is really why we go to work. There's this passion that everyone has in in working this crime type. Whilst some people might think, why do people do it? Why do people constantly have to push this barrow and work so hard at something like this? Every time a child is saved or every time we identify someone from a child exploitation image, you know, you get a win. And it's all these little wins that are going to add up and that's why people do it. We'll also hear from those who are dedicated to raising awareness of this issue amongst parents, providing knowledge, tools and education to help protect our children and keep them safe in the online space. I just knew I had to do something and I guess I just didn't see any limitation. If my daughter had to face what she had to face, you know, she's not going to go through such suffering for nothing and I'm going to make sure of it. 
As a human race, we're now more connected than at any other point in history. With the click of a button, billions of emails and messages race around the globe in the blink of an eye. Files, images, videos and comments are being uploaded and shared instantly. Yet it's this same connectivity which has seen online child sex offender networks flourish on social media and what's known as the dark web. Through heavily encrypted channels, they groom their victims and share their collections. Some of these offenders are hiding in plain sight. But for most of us, we just can't see them. That's where the expertise of Australia's federal police comes to the fore. There are more than 6,500 people working within the Australian Federal Police. They're tasked with keeping Australians safe as they investigate serious and complex transnational crimes such as drug smuggling, terrorism, human trafficking and child exploitation. Rhys Kershaw is the AFP Commissioner and says Australians need to wake up to just how serious this issue is. It's a bit of a dark secret that no one really wants to talk about. I don't think people understand this is rape and torture. It's not pictures of naked young girls or young boys. It's way beyond that. And I think that is hard for society sometimes to comprehend that people could do this, adults could do this to young children. It's not what you think it is. I mean, these offences carry anywhere between 15 and 30 years imprisonment. That sort of reflects how serious the Commonwealth in particular takes these kinds of offences. There are many dedicated professionals who investigate online child sexual exploitation. And unfortunately, their caseloads are growing. This is a real issue and we're seeing it increase and the offenders have increased. So if that wasn't the case, I wouldn't be as concerned as what I am now. But I'd say that if it's one child that we are able to remove from harm, I know our hardworking detectives and support staff and specialist staff, they wake up every day stressed out. You know, our victim identification teams are out there trying to identify a victim. They can take sometimes years to rescue that child. And the AFP works with all of its partner agencies, whether that be state law enforcement, different state agencies, the eSafety Commissioner and others, to try and keep our kids safe online. And our international partners are critical, whether it's Interpol, Europol and our main partners across the globe. Last financial year, the ACE received more than 21,000 reports of online child sexual abuse. In 2013, that figure was 3,000. So what constitutes online child exploitation? Here's Detective Superintendent Paula Hudson from the AFP. Surprisingly, it takes many forms. There is simply the uploading and transmission of child exploitation material by people who are actually creating it through committing the crimes themselves and then uploading it to the internet, which gets it on the system. And then that perpetuates people being able just to access and download it. So that's a crime to access and download. A recent phenomenon in the last couple of years in Australia, the live distance child abuse is a emerging issue. And what that is is that people go online and they contact a child sex den facilitators and they direct the abuse of a child. So they can actually pay money and they say they want X, Y or Z to take place to that child, please. And they direct the abuse themselves. So that's the live distance abuse that's taking place offshore. There's grooming offences whereby predators will groom children through gaming applications and anything that has a direct messaging capability to talk. 
and they can uh, convince them to go offline from that platform to a private platform and then groom them into meeting or groom them into sending inappropriate images to them. There's a number of ways the, I guess, the online component of offending can take place. Recently here in Australia, we've had a number of cases where people have convinced children to meet in private and then they, they are arrested at the scene. Australia is recognised as a global leader in tackling online child sexual exploitation. Through the work of its state and territory law enforcement agencies, the AFP and strong international relationships. In 2018, the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation was established to bring together these resources in a concentrated move to prevent and disrupt the online sexual exploitation of children. Known as the ACE, it's a unique entity among global law enforcement. The ACE was born out of an Australian government determination to tackle this crime type head-on. Peter Dutton, the former Minister for Home Affairs, says the goal is clear. Well, for our government, we've made it uh, a number one priority and I've been determined to make sure that we do that because I think the Australian Federal Police over many decades have done an amazing job in this area, but I did think that it needed a refresh and we needed to refocus, bring new leadership in and provide a greater impetus. They have wonderful relationships with their law enforcement partners domestically and internationally. But again, it was a time for a refresh of those relationships and also their relationships with NGOs and victim support groups, etc. And the private sector, there's an enormous amount of interest from the private sector in providing support to the work of the police. And so leveraging off all of those relationships into the outcome that we've achieved with the ACE has been an absolute priority. And for me, it's about trying to protect the innocence of children. Chris Woods is Superintendent of Operations at the ACE. So the ACE is a unique construct internationally here in Australia where we've brought together law enforcement with government, non-government, and that's Commonwealth, states and territories, organisations, academia and players in the child protection space to collaborate and really look for ways to protect children. It's about the online exploitation of children. The ACE has been established to group together all these really passionate and dedicated organisations and to give them basically a central point to work together to find pathways to have greater impact and to be more effective in all of our various mandates. It's led by the Australian Federal Police and I'm an AFP officer, but it's more than law enforcement and policing. But it's a, a unique construct. It's the first time we've brought these disparate groups together in the child protection space to really have maximum impact. I think that the need for national consistency and collaboration and having a bit of a focal point within Australia but also an ability to interact internationally is the drive behind the ACE concept. That notion of collaboration coupled with the drive for innovation is a core strength of the ACE. This is a world first in terms of such an organisation. We've got some similarities with some partner organisations. The US has a national centre for missing and exploited children, which is where all the social media companies in the US and law enforcement do channel their reports and referrals, and that is a pathway that is used to transmit material to us. But in terms of the ACES wider remit, more than just taking on reports of crime, but having that national collaboration piece working with all um, industry and, and law enforcement partners, 
We're a unique construct. So we're receiving requests from abroad, from around the world, for briefings and for advice on how we've built the ACE and why it is constructed the way it is. It's uh, a project um, in motion, really. It's an innovation hub, so um, we don't have a set state and we're still thinking about what we need to be doing to, to keep ahead of this particular crime type. I think that there's a greater awareness and this is a, a really key part of what we're trying to achieve with the ACE in terms of our engagement with the community. A greater awareness amongst parents and carers and I'd even say um, children and teenagers of the internet, social media, our use of social media, uh, where our information goes, the existence of predators and actors in this space of pedophiles online a greater consciousness, although there's so much more that people need to understand about uh, the dark web and what sits below the surface of the internet. So I think that technology has assisted people who are offenders in this area to collaborate, to share and swap and to operate with anonymity. But commensurate with the growth of their ability to do that has been the community building a greater awareness through a lot of really good work from NGOs, from policing and law enforcement agencies internationally a greater awareness of the threats that exist out there. To build that awareness, it's critical that the ACE team have detailed knowledge around the global scale of the crime type they're dealing with. As a result of their collaborative work with international partners, the ACE is now building a specific database to better protect children now and in the future. It will be the largest in the Southern Hemisphere. Detective Inspector John Rouse believes the database will be a game changer for investigators we deal with some very challenging content, video, audio, screaming, crying. But ultimately, a lot of the work that we do through the analysis of that video content or those images leads to the successful resolution, but we work pretty hard to try to, to resolve that, which is why the importance of analysis of the offender's collection and applying the victim identification protocols to that is critical. It's not about just making the arrest. Yes, that's great. Our role is to stop the sexual abuse of children and the importance of that database that's being imported into the ACE right now is critical. That database will help us rescue children. Beyond the technology, one of the cornerstones of the ACE is its commitment to bringing together not just law enforcement agencies, but also child protection professionals from all walks of life. It's a relatively new concept in policing online child exploitation, but it's one that AFP Commissioner Rhys Kershaw believes can further strengthen already strong relationships. I think having a dedicated centre that's bricks and mortar, populated with not just detectives and support staff and specialist staff, but also NGOs and other organisations that are embedded there with us or are welcome to just come and be a part of the ACE. I think that partnership with the community is, you know, first class. We haven't seen that around Australia. The next step for us is to look at having our state and territory partners embedded in the ACE, and that's something we're working on, and even having perhaps some international placements as well. That's uh, in the next generation of the ACE. But it's a first-class setup that not only does all the triaging and coordination, but makes sure that they act on those cases that need that immediate action, and it's great to see that centre up and running. Keeping our children safe online is a global effort. 
with Australian police working closely with investigators working around the world. In the US, the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children, commonly referred to as NECMEC, was established in 1984 following the abduction and murder of six-year-old Adam Walsh. Adam's parents sought to channel their grief by working to protect other children. While the initial focus was missing children, NECMEC has since evolved to tackle the broader issue of child sexual exploitation. Michelle DeLorne is Vice President and CEO of NECMEC. The organisation's cyber tip line has become an invaluable tool for law enforcement agencies in the US and around the world, including Australia. The cyber tip line has been in existence since 1998, and it started as an online reporting mechanism for members of the public to report incidents of potential child sexual exploitation. The cyber tip line in 2019 received 16.9 million reports, and more than 96% of those reports resolved to users who are outside of the United States. So we are providing reports to countries all over the globe. We actually have the ability to refer cyber tip line reports to law enforcement agencies in 130 countries. And these eight countries, as you can imagine, have varying levels of sophistication and capacity to respond to these types of reports. In cases where a report resolves to a user in Australia, those reports are made available within minutes to the Australian law enforcement agency, in this case, AFP. The reports will go to the Australian Federal Police for review. It's the Child Protection Triage Unit within the ACE that receives these reports, which then need to be prioritised and disseminated. Many reports will come from the US via NECMEC, which then refers to the ACE any material that may depict an Australian victim, offender or location. 93% of the cyber tips NECMEC receives are for international countries, not the US. The Child Protection Triage Unit at the ACE also receives reports from parents and carers who might stumble across something on their child's phone or other electronic device. And sometimes it's a member of the public who makes the disturbing discovery. What they've seen is material with younger and younger children who are self-producing child abuse material and uploading it to the internet. Some of these children are as young as four. At the ACE, Leanne Cooper works within the Child Protection Triage Unit and says there's often an increase in concerning online activity once kids are back at school. After school holidays end, it's usually the week or two after school holidays end, we get reports from platforms where kids like to upload videos of themselves. These kids, I don't know, they've either been told to do it by grooming to do it or they've just done it because it's fun or they think it's fun and silly. They'll upload videos of themselves naked or sexualized dancing or sometimes inserting objects depending on what they've been told. So they usually come out a few weeks after school holidays. We seem to get a, a bit of spam of those ones. Whether or not they produced and uploaded the material themselves, these children are victims. The ACE is determined to better educate kids, their parents and their carers to stop it happening. Some of the reports handled by the ACE Child Protection Triage Unit will end up being too difficult to investigate. But they remain on the books and in the database in the hope that one day they'll be able to put a name to a face or match an offender to a crime. The relationship shared between the AFP and NECMEC is mirrored in Europe through law enforcement agencies such as Europol and Interpol. In fact, it was a tip-off from Interpol 
that led to the arrest of a man considered to be Australia's worst child sex offender, South Australian Rusha Tokputsa. Operation Blacklist was launched as detectives homed in on a pay-per-view website that was being used to exploit children for a paying audience. From those very small pieces of information, they were able to build a, a fairly substantial case against him and another offender based in Thailand. Grant Stevens is a South Australian police commissioner whose detectives pursued Tokputsa. A two-year investigation revealed Tokputsa's heinous activities in Australia and Thailand, where the youngest of his victims was just 15 months old. 50 children were rescued and dozens of arrests made in nearly 60 countries. Tokputsa pleaded guilty to 50 counts of abuse involving 11 children. One of the most notorious offenders in this crime type the fact that he was an Australian citizen born in Thailand and we had, I think, over 850,000 child exploitation images that we identified that he was responsible for the production or dissemination of. The number of children that were exploited by him with 51 indictments against his name, 40-something year penalty attached to that, I think is a mark of just how sinister he was as a child exploitation offender. Rob Blount is embedded within the AFP's International Command and believes international collaboration and communication are critical to tracking down offenders such as Tukputsa. There are a number of different options and processes available to, to law enforcement. A key one is being able to share that information and make those inquiries initially. So when we do become aware of such an offender, we're working with our foreign partners, we're working across different databases, trying to obtain further details. We can also start looking at putting them on global alerts. You may have heard of Interpol notices. So that's one of the key ones that we do use. And an Interpol green notice is there to warn about offenders. But when they're at the, that suspect stage, they're under investigation, we can put them on a blue notice. So this is about trying to identify further information, intelligence, and sometimes details on where they are. And then when we do know that there is an offender that has a serious criminal history and may potentially pose a risk elsewhere, we'll put them on green notices. And so that gets circulated around the world and, and can help other countries, other communities protect their children and their community against these same offenders. Social media is fertile ground for offenders like Rusha Tokputsa, who used it to share the hundreds of abuse videos he produced. Julie Inman Grant is Australia's e-safety commissioner. Her office works closely with the ACE and the AFP, keeping tabs on suspicious activity in the online space and helping to protect people online. It's Australia's first and only regulatory body of its kind, and they definitely have their work cut out for them. There's no question that these issues are proliferating and are out of the scope and control of most governments. But of course, the AFP is a law enforcement agency and in the child sexual exploitation space, they're focused on arresting the perpetrators and identifying the victims. Our role is as the Australian National Hotline. We're part of the InHope Network, which is a group of about 46 hotlines around the globe. And our function is to take down harmful content. We have a range of civil powers. Civil powers in the civil agency where we're taking down content, the longer that content is up, the more a, a victim is traumatized. 
we do a lot of disruption. We're looking at the economic drivers and we do lots of disruption work. We share a lot of that intelligence with law enforcement, including with the ACE, and we've got operational agreements that dictate how that happens. And so when people come to us as victims of image-based abuse, sometimes that's all they want is the content taken down. If they decide to move to prosecution, it's often time-consuming, it's expensive, they have to bring their images up in the court of law. So sometimes internet prosecution either is not going to happen or it's not going to be what gives that particular victim relief. The fact that they've got a range of solutions available to them in Australia makes us unique in the world. Many of the big tech companies are already moving to clean up their platforms. In 2018, Twitter suspended almost a million accounts, while Facebook, Instagram and YouTube took down tens of millions of offensive posts and videos. But this positive momentum in the online space still has a long way to go. Despite having a billion users, Apple only reported 205 cases of child sexual abuse material to NECMEC's cyber tip line in the year 2019. That same year, Amazon Web Services, which hosts a vast majority of the world's content, reported just eight incidents of child sexual abuse material to the cyber tip line. We need to really hold their feet to the fire, have them scanning for child sexual abuse material, making sure that they're not accomplices effectively to this child sexual abuse. Even if it's not happening on their platforms, if they're using their platforms to store this content, to share or facilitate this content, they are absolutely culpable. Toby Dagg is Head of Investigations at Australia's eSafety Commissioner. For the past seven years, he's seen industry come on board and work with global law enforcement agencies. He believes we're only just starting to grapple with how widespread the issue of online child sexual exploitation really is. We still don't have a full sense of just how vast a problem this is. But if I can rely on some statistics from the Canadian Centre for Child Protection uh, and their Arachnid project, which scales and automates a lot of the work against the hosting of child abuse material, in only a matter of years, they've issued something in the order of six and a half million takedown notices in relation to known child abuse content that's been triple verified too. So this isn't just accidental content, this is material that trained classifiers have said, yep, meets the grade for the worst of the worst. The creation of the ACE has seen law enforcement across the country adopt a more unified approach in tackling online child sex offenders. They work together with the sole aim of ending the abuse of children and putting offenders behind bars. Peter Dutton describes the ACE as a focal point for these types of investigations. We're bringing together partners, our state and territory colleagues, those who are in NGOs domestically and internationally, child support groups and many others, all people of goodwill and those that have got a common purpose. And if we can harness all of that energy in the one centre, I think the outcomes, which we've achieved already, talk about the success ahead for the ACE as well. So we're in early days and there's a lot more success that we will enjoy and it's, it's possible because of the ACE and the people who work there. It's a united front that sends a clear and direct message to those who victimise children and share or sell the resulting images across the internet. Denzel Clark is a detective superintendent with Queensland Police and believes the ACE has given law enforcement the opportunity to be proactive rather than reactive in their quest to protect children and remove them from harm. At times... It's fair to say that we are chasing the offenders. 
but with innovation and technology, more and more we are starting to get ahead of the game, closing that gap. But that gap can have moving goalposts. What we are seeing is a heightened effort by offenders to find ways to obfuscate their activities from law enforcement so that they can avoid detection. That is one of the primary outcomes that we are seeing, particularly during the COVID period where online engagements has increased, that rather than stopping, they are finding ways to avoid detection. But through the efforts of people working in organisations such as the ACE, offenders are being detected, while more and more arrests are being made, which leads to a ripple effect within the community. There's two parts to the ripple effect. One part is offenders putting them on notice that if you participate in this type of crime, you will be detected sooner or later and brought to justice. And there's certainly some deterrence in that for them. But there's also the other side of that coin, which is to the community, the victim removing them from harm. So that is certainly a a win. Their families are supported. Again, their child has been removed from harm. So there's certainly another ripple and a win. In Australia, there are thousands of people who dedicate their lives to the protection of children. Some work within law enforcement and NGOs, while others answer directly to government. The National Office for Child Safety, Knox, was born out of the Royal Commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse. While the Royal Commission primarily focused on historical reports, it revealed a need for a national response to ongoing issues. Knox is tasked with ensuring the lessons of the past help prevent future abuse. Rebecca Kilpatrick heads up the team at Knox, providing national leadership as our community deals with the growing issue of child sexual abuse as it moves more into the online space. So the online space is obviously this big challenge that we all face. It's kind of where things have moved on to. I think the Royal Commission did a lot of excellent work in terms of highlighting, I guess, the methodologies or highlighting the context of institutional abuse and how kids are vulnerable in institutions and what the response needs to look like, how we can strengthen institutions to make them child safe. I think we know less about the online safety space. I think it moves faster. I think it's difficult for parents to sort of keep up with the burgeoning number of apps and just the ways that kids now interact and the different platforms that you're supposed to understand and engage with. So for us, I think a lot of what we're doing is about trying to understand what the online space looks like, trying to work with our partners, so supporting the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation, supporting the Safety Commission and programs such as Think You Know, and making sure that people understand the work that they're doing and I think giving them a bit of a boost. Law enforcement agencies around the world are tasked with identifying these young victims removing them from harm and prosecuting those responsible for abusing them and disseminating the images. For Detective Superintendent Chris Woods and his team at the ACE, it's a community-wide responsibility to ensure we all play our part in keeping kids safe online and offline. We all have an obligation in society to be looking after our kids and we wouldn't let them go off and meet with people uh, that we didn't know in a park or uh, at the shopping centre. So why do we allow them to do it on a device? Because we've got some sort of false sense of security, maybe they're in the lounge room of the house. So I think that when people start to think about the online environment, like a town common, you start to see that it's not the panacea to kids needing to kill some time or to be quietened. And we really need to take responsibility 
and I think it's about conversations, having open conversations with your children around online safety and also making it a safe place for them to speak up if something doesn't seem right or they've had a strange approach or they're having an interaction that doesn't make sense. Because I don't think the kids are going to stop using devices to communicate with their class friends and so on. So it's about getting smarter from a supervisory vantage point so that those people who are around children have children in your life. I think we all have a part to play. In episode two of Closing the Net, we look at the impacts of child exploitation on the victim their families and the families of offenders. When I first heard it, I ran out of the room and tried not to vomit because I had had the experience of discovering my ex-partner was involved with child sexual abuse material only 18 months earlier and it was really raw and traumatic. He not only groomed the children, but he groomed his wife. He set up their home so that it was difficult for her to have any idea of what was going on. If the content in this podcast has caused any distress, or if you know a child is being contacted or groomed online, visit accce.gov.au to find out how to report and where you can seek support. If you see child abuse material online, it's important to report it to the office of the eSafety Commissioner who can help get it removed. And if you think a child is in immediate danger, please call 000 or your local police. You can provide anonymous information to crimestoppers.com.au or by phoning 1800 000. The opinions, beliefs and viewpoints expressed by the individuals featured in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, beliefs and viewpoints of the ACE or the AFP. Closing the Net is a production of the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation and the Australian Federal Police. Written and researched by Nicole Gunn and Dave Carter, with additional research by Anna Swain. Audio production by Daryl Misson. Original music by Kyle Gutterson. Produced by Dave Carter on behalf of Media Heads. If you found this podcast informative, please take the time to share it write a review and subscribe to the series on your favourite podcast app. To learn more about the work of The Ace with regards to online child sexual exploitation, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or visit the website accece.gov.au.